Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mike Claiborne joins us every Tuesday. Claib's obviously working on the Cardinal broadcast and the Joe West 5460 podcast. Check it out wherever you get your favorite podcast. Claib's, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, after you win seven in a row, life seems to be much better. Yeah, and <laughs> and time flies. And I, I got to ask you, did you see it coming after the trade deadline last week? No, no, I really didn't. You know, I, I kind of hoped that things would turn around when Yachty came back. But, you know, after the deadline, you know, you were kind of disappointed that you said, well, we didn't get Soto, but we didn't lose any of the players that we think are going to be valuable down the road. But when it was all said and done, you know, I was like, eh, okay, let's see what happens. And and so far, so good. Mike, I think the last time I was on with you, you you, you do sound a little bit better. I think that seven-game win streak does help a lot. Um, what have you what have you made of, of the, the transactions that they brought in, the people that they brought in, and also, you know, losing Bader and, and, and what they didn't get in return in, in trying to go get Soto? Well, you know, it's a good question because we, I think we're still trying to sift through what we got. You know, obviously everybody we've seen so far has turned out to, to do their job. And, you know, you're only as good as your next event. So I like what I see on that front. Losing Bader was tough, but I think Dylan Carlson, you know, this is a guy who was a pitcher and a, and a first baseman throughout his high school and little league career. He didn't play center field until like his senior year. <clears throat> and because of his dedication and what Willie McGee's been able to do with him, he's turned out to be a very solid player. So now you've got that situation resolved. But as we've been talking about all year, we need pitching, 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 more pitching. And finally, it seems like we're starting to load up on that. And with that said, because we got two guys, or really three guys who play with the defense as far as ground ball pitchers, that has really kind of made this thing seem like, all right, I think we can play with anybody. So now the first test is, well, the Cubs. All right, everybody, we we can beat the Cubs and the Reds every day. But the problem is, if you want to be playing in October, the Cubs and the Reds aren't going to be there. So you have to find out who you can play that's going to be comparable to what postseason is going to look like. And it was the New York Yankees. And even though they were down two guys, I still felt like this was a real stepping stone for them to be able to move forward and, and really have some confidence. You spoke about pitching. And, and is there a timetable for Jack Flaherty? And if he does come back, what does that do to this, uh, to this pitching staff? Um, you know, Jack is now back in St. Louis. He's working out and – I think he'll be going out on an assignment here fairly soon as far as going to Memphis and, and trying to get his mojo back. Uh, you know, when you have a shoulder, you know, that's a little bit of a tricky situation compared to an elbow or a forearm or something like that. But I think if you can get him back and he can get you into that situation of being close to being what we knew Jack to be, 
you're going to be really tough to beat down the road. Claims, I want to go back to Dylan Carlson for a second because he leads National League center fielders in defensive run save. Now, I don't know how to calculate defensive run save, but I know it's a big deal for the analytics people. But he's played 325 innings. He has six defensive runs saved. Michael Harris of Atlanta has 565, 240 innings more, five defensive runs saved. Uh, uh, Carlson has about half the the innings played of Alec Thomas of Arizona, who also has five. I, I got to ask you, do you think that Carlson is a gold glove winner. Yeah. You know, you know what? I've I said this before. When the Cardinals were stacking up gold gloves last year, I said that Dylan Carlson would be next. And once he gets one, you'll see him get three, at least three, maybe four. You know, center field, that, that position seems to change a lot in baseball. And you have these new guys coming in all the time. But I, I really feel like this guy has a chance to really be in that discussion with Flood and McGee and Edmonds and all the other great center fielders we've had. And I'll throw Bader in there, too. Uh, all the other great center fielders we've had over the years. I think he certainly fits that bill. And it's amazing, Mike, to look around baseball. The Yankees, for all of their money and all of their success, they've been looking for a center fielder. Field. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they've been looking for a center fielder since Bernie Williams retired. Exactly. You know, and, and I think that there's certain teams that have those problems you know, we we haven't looked for a catcher in 17 years, all right? Now we're going to have to look, look for one, and that's going to be a challenge because the, the expectations of who used to have that position are going to be challenged. And I think, you know, for the Yankees, it's a center fielder. You know, we had that situation for a second baseman for a long time. Yeah. And, and now we're going to have that situation for a catcher. So, you know, organizations, you know, you fall in love with a guy, you know, he doesn't go anywhere, and then all of a sudden he's gone. And you say, well, wait a minute, we we got to go find somebody like him. Well, no, there's not going to be anybody like him. You know, that, that guy is a Hall of Famer. You know, he's a one-of-a-kind guy. And so with the Yankees, Bader should do well for them. And that, that's not a hard ballpark to play in. So he'll be all right. Hey, Mike, the last time I, I spoke with you, you talked about your upcoming um, podcast and, and you have Charles Barkley on. Can you can you give us any any stories from that from that interview and, and how was that with him? Well, you know what? Charles was a riot. He told the story about when he was growing up in Alabama. You know, they would watch the NFL on Sundays. He said and it was always the Cowboys, the Giants, or the Eagles. And he said, and every time I'd watch a game, they were playing St. Louis, they'd beat the hell out of the Cardinals. I was like, yeah, I was watching that same game. That was his affection for St. Louis. But also, one of his best friends is Roy Green and and Willard Harrell, uh, two guys who played for the Cardinals. And Charles is relentless on those two when they play golf about how bad the Cardinals were. (laughs) (laughs) But he was great. He, He was terrific. And, um, Let's see, who do we have? We have Jim McMahon coming up. We did him the other day. Had a chance to visit with him, and he was a beauty. Uh, let's see, who else do we have coming up? George Will. Talking to George Will tomorrow. Awesome. So, uh, in answer to your question, there's never a dull moment with some of these guests because they pull them out of their hats, and you never see it coming. But Charles was terrific, and uh, can't thank him enough. And we, As a matter of fact, we were playing in Philadelphia that weekend, that we did the uh, the podcast. And so I was like, all right, I need to kind of find a good restaurant. I called Charles, told him what I, I was in Philly. He gave me like five different ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't get to all of them, but I got to enough of them where they where he had called two of them and say, hey, I got a buddy of mine coming in. And uh, so you know, he's a terrific person. I can't wait to get him on the golf course. I don't care how many lessons he's taking. 
<laughs> hey, Klaibs, you and I have been watching high school football in St. Louis for a long, long time. Kerry has, too. He, he played. And I want you guys, and I'll weigh in here after you guys weigh in, I want you to give me your best high school football players ever in St. Louis. I'm going to give you a guy that has something that no one else in the state of Missouri has. His name was Gerald Chambers. He played at Vianney. He, he was all city, I mean, all metro, all state, both ways in the same year. Wow. For me, uh, he, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, for me, it, it's two people. One I did not see, um, but I've heard many stories about. That would be Tony Van Zandt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think, I yeah, think a lot of people. Conversation. Yeah. And then for me, personally, the person that I saw would be Ricardo Rhodes from Hazelwood East. Small, great player. I think he had 50-some touchdowns his senior year, went to Mizzou, uh, but just a fantastic football player. And, and, you know, he was one of the guys that I, even though that was our rival, I looked up to him like that. He is amazing. You you know what? And it's funny because as you bring up high school, see, I don't don't equate guys' high school careers with what they did in college and went to the pros. If we're asking about high school, mm-hmm. that then we're going to talk about what he was, what he meant to a high school team. Right. Because sometimes the, your your career after high school doesn't flourish like it does mm-hmm. uh, when you're in high school. So, But it's a great question. But, yeah, because Gerald Chambers never played down in college football. He had, an, he had an ailment where it didn't allow him to play. But I got to tell you something. I've never seen a guy dominate a game in my life like I saw him. Really? He's like 6'4", 250, 6'5", mm. 250. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you, I got hit by him one time. <laughs> after that, I thought about taking up archery. <laughs> I thought about really seriously taking up archery or chess or something that would not be involved in contact. But, he, yeah, he's the only guy, to my recollection, all metro, all state, both ways. Mm. That's awesome. That is. I, I'm with uh, with. Kerry, in regards to Tony Van Zant, I think he's kind yeah. of he's kind of a consensus guy. But I'll tell you what, DJ and I were you, doing let me games. Tell you about him. When he when he gave it to Sumner, when he gave it to Sumner at Bush Stadium, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, and that's when Sumner was loaded. Yeah, I mean they were stacked. And when he gave it to them, I was like, okay, this this guy, you know. Zip code may be different from the one I grew up in, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to bow down and kiss the ring on this guy. <laughs> he was something. And then another one of recent vintage, Demetrius Johnson and I were doing games, and we did the freshman Turkey Day game for Jeremy Macklin. Mm. And in the first quarter, we look at ourselves, or look at each other, say, man, this guy's going to play in the NFL. He's a freshman yeah. in high school. And he's just one of those guys where we say, he's going to play in the NFL. And he just pretty much did whatever he wanted. That's he was amazing. so dominant. That's amazing. But By the way, when you and DJ would do those games, I thought that was kind of must-watch TV because you guys did such a phenomenal job in highlighting those young kids. And some of them went on to play in college and some of them went on to play in the NFL. But I think that's kind of a missing piece to our community where we mm. don't have the opportunity to expose high school athletes on TV and in that, in that environment to see what the future looks like. You guys were terrific doing that. Thanks. We had a great time, and, and we both miss it. By the way, one another guy that we all know, and I, I don't want him to be left out of this conversation, is Alvin Miller. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alvin Miller. Let me, let me tell you, if Alvin Miller didn't have the knee injuries that slowed him down, we're talking about Jerry Rice. Mm. We're talking about that, that kind of a guy as far as his impact because – 
whenever he had the ball in his hands, whether he was a punt returner or receiver, something electric was about to happen. He, he was special. Yeah, There's no doubt. I think he was at Notre Dame and tore up his knee at Michigan State on the wow. turf at Michigan State and uh, was drafted by Buffalo, but that knee never really recovered. And uh, It's the kind of injury where today, rather than right. 35 years ago, yeah. today he would come back and be able to play. Clabes, uh, we're going to play some golf today, right? We are. Oh, well, we're going to play at it. I don't know how good we're <laughs> It's the Ascension Charity Classic hey, Media Day. You know what? Day. i got to tell you, if we start to suck, if we walk up, that's okay by me. Hey, we, <laughs> dealing with punishment, punishing yourself when you're not that good. Well, we, I think it might be a scramble, and we've got Delsing on our team. Oh, yeah, we're good, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll stay for the day. You know what? It's going to be like, well, where'd you get on that hole? Whatever Jay had, I'm going to have one more. <laughs> That's there what it go. was. Yep. <laughs> we'll see you over there. Always good to talk to you. Thanks, Clay. Right, Take care. See you good later. Talk to you, Kerry. All right, you too. That is Mike Claiborne. Joins us every Tuesday here on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.